A pair of jeans that fit just right. Yeah, 1005 on the zone. Texas Radio, presented by David Garner's Drillers. I'm Ryan Broninger. I'm inside the Rollo Insurance Studios. You know, I'm just watching. I was watching some Astros highlights during the break there. And Nick, correct me. How did I know this is where this was going to go? But I'm all in. Okay. Look, man. The City Connect uniforms are growing on me in a big Oof, way. No, I've always said wear the white, wear white pants with them, and I'm all in. But I just I don't like the. the I could get on board with that. Pants. I could get on board with it. But in terms of the other City Connect jerseys around the league, I like Pittsburgh's. I like Cincy's. Uh, and, really, and I really think Houston's is growing on me a little bit, and it may be because they don't wear them a bunch. I love the hat. I think that's one of the maybe the best hat a Houston Astros team's ever worn. Whoa, okay, that's that's getting out there. I'm I'm maybe it's nostalgia, excuse me, but I like the the brick red. I, I still, Yuck! I still like that's that. the worst one. May, no, the worst one is like the early or maybe it was the late nineties. Sorry, don't with you the, dare the navy blue don't you and dare. gold. That's don't you the dare. worst. That that's shirt the, that you have on was like right in that era. I know. The, Doesn't mean I can't say I didn't like their uniforms. Oh no, those were great. The navy blue with the the Vegas gold. I say that, and I still have that a shirt with that logo on it, and I oh. still wear it a and lot. It was like Pete Big, the Pete Killer Bees. Yeah, but. and it was Randy Johnson coming to town. Man, that was. Of course, that was the era that I grew up in, where you were driving from Southeast Texas, and like it was Astros. Like you were going to the Astros that day. It wasn't. It was a big deal. You planned your whole week around you going to the Astros to watch them play. And uh, I can remember going to see Randy Johnson pitch in the Dome and going during 1998 when Mark McGuire was on the home run chase and getting there early to watch him take batting practice. Just so there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in those navy blue and gold jerseys. But I will say, again, these City Connects, of course, if they're beating the Texas Rangers in the City Connects. Theirs are awful, by the way. Theirs I'm are sorry. brutal. I, <laughs> they're really if bad. If you're an Arlington fan, I don't think you can spin your way out of that one. And I know y'all are having a good season. Uh, y'all may end up winning the AL West. The Astros have been super injured. I'm thinking we're getting Jordan back full-time soon, right? Soon, yeah. He worked out on the field yesterday. Didn't hit, but I, I think he's scheduled to be back pretty soon. And Urquidy. Urquidy's going to be back soon as well. Well, Thank God for guys like Framber Valdez and really Mauricio Dubon in the season he's yeah, had. He's really been the uh, up to this point the glue guy. You know, you I have a high school that. a high school buddy who I was not a big Aledmus Diaz fan last year, mm-hmm. and one of my buddies, really good close friend of mine, I grew up playing ball with, and he played at Wake Forest, and really t- he was a really talented athlete, and uh, we we have a group discussion of a bunch of our buddies in high school, and we made a preseason bet because he was an Aledmus Diaz fan, he didn't want. Houston to get rid of him. I was during the playoffs last year. I was like, I wish they'd give Diaz's at bats to Dubon or whatever. He's mm-hmm. like, he was like, you're crazy. Dubon's no good. And so we made a bet before the season who would have better numbers this year. And uh, you know, if if they were both healthy and the at bats were kind of equal and they were getting the same opportunities, and I think he can go ahead and pay me uh, on right that now because I don't think a Miss Diaz is going <laughs> to get anywhere close to catching what Mauricio Dubon has done. But without Dubon what, and what he's meant for the Astros this season, I, they would be in a bigger hole and a bigger predicament than they're already in. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think Altuve's supposed to be back soon, too. So, I mean, if they can take this series from the Rangers and get oh, – I mean, yeah. if they sweep, they can – would they be tied? Yeah, they'd be, be tied, tied yep. for the division lead. So, that's 
crazy. But yeah, I'm looking. Or, do you have Dubon? Uh, not, pardon me, not Dubon's. Diaz's numbers. I don't. They're He's no batting good. 207 in 222 at bats, two home runs, 16 RBIs. Yeah, I knew they were no good. Not very good. And at one point, Dubon was over 300 for a while. Yeah, yeah, he for was. All right, all right. Let's get into this interview that uh, David did with Joe Desator. Uh, at SEC Media Days, I love Joe Tess. I like when he's on an A&M call. Uh, the only thing is, like, you're going to have to uh, take some heart medication or maybe some something for, you know, to calm a, a weak stomach because these games are going to uh, really mess with your nerves. It feels like every time he's on a call, uh, there is high anxiety levels within the game. But he sat down and did an interview with David in Nashville, about six or seven minutes here of David Nuno and Joe Tessitore. Hey, man. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. We have a great debate off of my left shoulder here as to Marty Smith, the color of Marty Smith's pants, which you can't see. And now you is. can. There he is. There is. Moth. There. I, I say moth. He was trying to convince me it's periwinkle, but I think periwinkle's got more of an indigo and purple and blue to it. Anyways, it's nice to be with you. Always good to talk the Aggies. Yeah, well, well I, wanted to t- I know you've been super busy anchoring, um, yep. and, and, but I did want to ask you about the Jimbo play calling thing. You had a very interesting perspective that I, I think our audience will love. You you basically said, let's focus on what Anaya Smith said. Oh, absolutely. I thought that was one of the sound bites of the week so far here at SEC Media Days of how bullish and positive he is about what's happening. Um, the freedom, the simplicity. Listen, it, it's proven with Petrino of what you get and what the stats look like and what an offense looks like. I mean, he's one of the most pro, you know, proficient offensive guys and proven offensive guys of the last generation of college football. By the way, I, I mean, I'll just start this visit with you, and we haven't visited at all right. for 30 seconds before we came on. I am super high on A&M this year. Wow. Okay. Super high on A&M this year. Um, obviously, I was able to call the game against LSU to round out the season, so I feel like where a lot of the national media um, built up a narrative that got started early on, went through the losing streak in the SEC, and perhaps weren't close enough, and it was off the radar by the time you're watching how Wigman and the younger guys finished up the season, then you understand you've filtered out some things in the locker room, you've made additions to the coaching staff, you've got the blossoming young talent that now has that maturation process that matters, the bedrock is settled, um, I, I, I don't, I'm not telling you what it's going to be on the one loss record, sure. but that is a very good football team and roster that's taken the field that I have great confidence in. I love the coaching staff. I love the offense. I mean, everybody points to, oh, the offense of this and that you got Jimbo, you got Petrino and you got a Dazio as the core of your offensive coaches. It's as good as you're going to get. Well, that, isn't that the the charm and also the danger of the SEC? Like, as good as A&M talent-wise and coaching staff can be, anybody can beat you on any given week. Oh, especially, especially in that division, side. especially on the West side. I mean, it's the way. You know, every year, we and I've been coming to this thing. I'm so damn old now. I've been coming to this thing, anchoring it since before we even had the SEC network doing like college football live and sports center and ESPNU. So I think like 2008, 2009, I'm sitting here. Um, and every year I always say, try to really point and tell me how you can justify picking who finishes last in the SEC West. The hardest thing is not predicting who's going to win the SEC or who's going to be in the championship game. It's predicting the bottom order of finish in the SEC West. And I'm not saying that's a and M. I'm just saying right. to your point, yeah, good luck. We're typically on the East. You can point and say, here's who's going to finish in the bottom of yeah, the East. Absolutely. You can never say that in the West. I'm fascinated by your career because you do so much. You're always busy, right? Yes. Uh, you were telling me this weekend you've got top-ranked boxing, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's that time of the year for me. 
Well, even during the college football season, it doesn't matter. It, there's always something else. But this time of the year, in recent years, my attention is all over the place, all over the world. I could be doing, you know, the Holy Moly comedy show with Rob Riggle on ABC. Yeah. I could be doing a Tyson Fury fight at Wembley Stadium in London while I'm prepping college football, maybe call a spring game, anchor SEC Media Days. Um, but this week, it's anchoring SEC Media Days, making the rounds here. And then we have a George Cambosis fight on ESPN Saturday night. Then we've got a world title fight in Vegas on Tuesday, another world, another title fight next Friday in Vegas, the night before Spence Crawford. So it's a busy stretch of boxing right now. And it will be through August until the football season. I got to ask you about uh, the Fury Nagano fight. Oh, it's going to be Saudi Arabia, October 28th. Um, obviously, you know, ESPN and ESPN pay-per-view, we've been thrilled to be in the Tyson Fury business. Yep. Um, he is such a character. Um, it's a dynamic, it's dynamic to work with him. He is, listen, you work in the SEC, you're used to working with over the top characters, right? Our coaches alone. And, and some of the people who have come through the league, um, Johnny Menzel back in the day at right. SEC media days where I had to sit up there and discuss the Manning Academy with him. Um, Tyson Fury is the most outrageous. He's the most outrageous sports personality I have ever been around. And it's not close. A six foot nine, literally the gypsy king, a giant gypsy who's the baddest man on earth. When he gets in there with Nganu. Now, listen, we know he's going to be an overwhelming favorite to beat Nganu in, right. in a boxing bout. Um, those two humans just being together in a ring moments before the opening bell is going to be a spectacle. Joe Tessitore with us here on Tech Sags Radio. One more thing for you. Uh, first off, you live up to your reputation on television. And What's that? What was my reputation? You, you on camera? I can't wait to hear this, by the way. Yeah. You on camera is the same as you off oh, camera. Oh, yeah. totally. 100% which is you. Which is good and bad, by the way. Okay, why is because it? Because I'm ridiculous. <laughs> because, listen, I'm a, I'm a passionate, intense Italian-American um, who just doesn't really give a – and yeah. um, whatever. And, I'm you know, I'm just a passion-based guy. So – that's good and bad. Sometimes people don't know how to read me. So, all right, you're you're high on the Aggies. Are you yeah. high on Alabama? Yes, okay. I, I am. But obviously, Joe Tessitore with us, by the way. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But obviously, um, Nick in that group needs to know who's going to be the guy that when it's third and long, you're really going to trust that he's going to make the right decision and get it accomplished. Connor Wigman, I trust. Anaya Smith, I trust. Um, that offensive line, I trust all three levels of the defense. I like, I actually have uh, now Alabama. I look through the roster, uh, offensive line, solid, love the tight end transfer and Dupree love the veteran wide receivers mixed with now the sophomore group who are going to be explosive. You have NFL players all over that wide receiver room, um, depth at running back, love the interior of the defensive line, obviously an edge rusher and Turner who's going to be a monster defensive backs are a coach by the best defensive backs coach in the history of college football, um, and have talent. There's temp Reichert is a phenomenal kicker. There's talent everywhere. I see the same trustworthy talent at every level of AM. I legitimately do. Um, and I I like that it's not last one of the best things about AM is it's not last year. It's not this ridiculous hype built on a signing class, which is was so stupid. And then it's not where you're dealing with enough turmoil in enough spots where you got headaches. And then when one thing goes off the rails a little bit, it starts to unravel the season until you get the right guys in the right places. You can filter some of that out and you get healthy again. The offensive line was not healthy the first five weeks. Your most reliable guys that you want to um, lean on were, were not available to you. Um, 
I think AM, LSU, and Alabama are the three rosters I look at and say, every level, they're solid, and you can trust it. Joe, I appreciate it. But yet the, the conversation is different when I say those three. Well, it, it, it's right. Yep. It shouldn't be. Well, hopefully this should because be. Because AM is capable just as, of getting those W's against those two. I appreciate your time. Oh, it's so nice. Thank you. Thank we'll you. see you down. I can't wait to get one of my favorite places in the world. Well, I'm going to come kick with you. We need right? some Q. You got it, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much. All right. That's David Nuno and Joe Tessitore for, from SEC Media Days. Man, Tess, really, really high on the Aggies. But let's get to a break. On the other side, we'll have Texas A&M offensive line commit. Ashton Funk on the show. We'll get his thoughts on this recruiting run and a lead-in to a senior season there at Katie Tompkins. You're listening to Texas Radio, presented by David Garner's Jewelers. Yeah, guy comes in for his first appearance on Tex-Ax Radio and has uh, got his own intro music. I'm Ryan Broniger. You are listening to Tex-Ax Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers inside the Rollo Insurance Studios and a special treat for you guys listening with us today. Going out to the hotline to talk to Texas A&M offensive line commit Ashton Funk out of Katie Tompkins. Ashton, I appreciate you joining me, man. Uh, how's summer been? Summer's been great. You know, we uh, just got done with summer workouts and uh, actually just got done with the uh, incoming freshman camp. So that was really good. Uh, but spent a ton of time with the trainer this summer. Since I'm graduating early, I, uh, I spent a lot of time with my family, just trying to get them every second I can. Uh, also, been doing a bunch of, I'm not just saying English sport, uh, inspiration to graduate early. And so, I'm really focused on what I need to do this season. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, has your dad cooked you anything good over the course of the summer, making sure you're eating? Oh, yeah. Every steak he can, and uh, just trying to get everything in before I leave. Well, take me through some of these summer workouts, man, because you're not a guy that does a bunch of camps, uh, a bunch of appearances. You, you kind of keep to yourself, but that doesn't mean you're not working. So kind of take me through some of the improvements you're looking to make before your senior season there at Katie Tompkins. Yeah, so this summer, uh, I spent a lot of time with my trainer trying to get my hands and feet and uh, just getting faster. You know, I get up at 4.30, uh, I'll head over to the gym with Tim, and uh, we'll get in an early hour before our stat camp workout. And then I'll spend two to three hours with them, and I'll eat, take a nap, trying to get recovered. And then in the afternoon, for some heat acclimation, I'll go out there and get another like, field workout in so I can actually like get ready for the season and that's all. Probably be acclimated to the environment. Yeah, and because you don't do the camp circuit, and and I actually love that you don't. But do you feel like it it may get you a knock in the national services in terms of your ratings? Uh, we we have you in our top ten. We've always had you in our top ten or five throughout our recruiting rankings updates. But does does it bother you where you're ranked, or are you good with kind of how you've the processes you've come about to get better? You know, I've always been pretty focused on myself. I try to not look about my surroundings and try to focus on what I can get better every day. I don't really pay attention to all the national recruiting rankings, honestly, because when you get there, they don't really matter. Whether you're five yeah. stars, everyone goes to college and they all get the place they want to go. So I try to just work out and try to better myself for my game and not try to go to a camp and prove something to someone that doesn't really matter, in my opinion. <laughs> That's a pretty refreshing perspective, uh, perspective in, in today's kind of recruiting environment. But to stick about recruiting, big recruiting event coming up this weekend in, in the pool party, you've been committed for so long, man. And 
you have gotten a front row seat to kind of see this thing unfold. From your perspective, from your uh, viewpoint, what has this summer run of, of commitments been like for you? Uh, it's been amazing. You know, getting to know the guys or VOBs and really, I think it really starting to gel as a unit. I think we'll get these next couple of pieces falling in this next month or two. But it's just been really cool to see. And I think it's a reflection of the program and where we're headed. You know, I, I've always been a Nagy fan, and I think uh, we're going the right direction. And I think we're going to put a top 10 class together. I think it's really good. And the pool party this weekend, man, just be your, I, mean, I think you've been to a couple of them now. This will be your second one. Uh, kind of take us through the vibe. What are you looking forward to about that? You know, I'm obviously looking forward to that, but uh, I just want to say my condolences to Coach Price and his family. I mean, there really aren't enough orders for what happened. And uh, obviously, I wasn't as close to some of the D linemen that were involved with that, but I should pay, pay my respects to him. But uh, overall, I think it's going to be a great weekend. You know, I think uh, just getting all the commits down in one place. I think not for the first time, but for the first time to really see what we've got and really appreciate the talent where he got coming in, I think that'll be really good. I'm excited for that. And, and I'll tell you this, man, as the recruiting class has kind of unfolded and I've gotten to talk to all these kids that are committed and especially the other offensive linemen that A&M's recruiting or has got committed, they're all talking about Coach Adazio and the impact Coach Adazio is playing uh, in their recruitment. So just – Kind of speak to your relationship with, with Coach Adazio, how it's grown, and you know maybe how it's progressed from to where it is now, from where it was uh, when he first came in. You know, my uh, first junior day, my first true visit, say, and um, he, it was also his first day. We were kind of both trying to feel out the place, but ever since then, it's just been amazing. You know, he's one of the most genuine coaches I think I've ever met, and he really understands and wants to study for the game. He's not there to get a new job. I think he's there because he wants to be there. And he wants to develop some great offensive line. So over the years, I mean, we've kind of just become closer and closer. And obviously being committed for so long, you get to know someone really well. And I just think it's going to be really good going in the next season and obviously for the future. Have you gotten to speak to and gotten to know any of the current offensive linemen? And if so, like kind of how is that relationship built uh, since your time being committed? Yeah, especially since my OV, I got to know really all of them. You know, Colton Thomas and Deuce Father, a and I, I got to say, some of the best group of guys I've ever been around. They all are super focused on what they want to do and where they want to go in life. And I think it's really to speak to how Coach Dodge is running the program and Coach Fisher is running the program. And I think it's really in a good direction. And, and for those of you that may not know, if you didn't weren't listening and weren't paying attention to what Ashton said uh, when he came on and started talking about kind of his summer, uh, his summer workouts, but also his summer academic plans and his plans for himself – you're really like academics have always been really, really important. It's one of the reasons why schools like Michigan and, and Stanford were amongst your top group. What what are your academic expectations for yourself at AM, Ashton? Like take us through kind of your degree plan and, and what you want to do outside of football. So outside of football, I'm kind of setting myself up. I want to get a degree in biology and I want to hold myself to a standard that uh, only I can meet. And I think I really strive for something I, I don't. Not the word is, but I'm really trying to go for something in the medical. I'm going to become an orthopedic surgeon if football doesn't work out. After, uh, I mean, hopefully, how it goes right, right? I mean, I want to go to the draft, but that doesn't work out. Go to med school and then go uh, my residency and do fellowship and obviously get surgeon out. So, man, those, are, those are some, some big marks to, to hit, man. But, like, 
has it always come second nature for you to balance football and, and, and school? Um, I don't know about second. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll admit, I mean, it's been hard the past couple of years just trying to figure out the right balance between recruiting and stuff. And honestly, ever since I've been dealing with recruiting, since I've committed, is I think I've really uh, balanced in is not the right word, but I'm figuring out where I need to be so I can balance both. And I think I'm Going to college really balances that well. Well, you're getting ready there for your senior year at Katie Tompkins, and you guys continue to take big steps in terms of a program and really cemented yourself as one of the top programs uh, in Greater Houston. So, uh, for your for your expectations going into the, your senior season, like what is that? What is the next step for your team, and how do you go about leading them? Uh, I think. It's- Next step is just overall leadership. And I think I'm honestly, I'm really excited going to the season. It's kind of surreal being my senior year. And uh, me and Wyatt Young, we're the two captains right now about to ask more. So I think we're just trying to lead the team going to the, I mean, obviously, the goal is a state championship, right? I mean, that's where we all want to go. And I think that's the next step for us. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate everything. Uh, we'll talk about uh, this weekend, probably sometime next week. And uh, I'll be down there. I guess in like a month, man, to watch you guys play. So really appreciate you hopping on, bud. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. That's Texas A&M offensive line commit Ashton Funk out of Katie Tompkins. What an incredible kid, incredible student athlete, uh, and one of our top overall players in the state of Texas. I like what he said about – did you hear that, Nick, what he said about you know uh, recruiting rankings and whether they bother him or not? Yeah, he doesn't really care, and I love that. I, that's just – that's just, I mean, he's getting up at, what do you say, 4.30? 4.30 Okay, Jocko. Like, yeah. we see you. <laughs> but it was like, you know, he, he said that because it, it, the, his reasoning for saying that it doesn't matter to him, the rankings don't matter to him, is 100% true. Is because once you get on campus, it doesn't matter whether, matters, you had, yeah. Yeah, whether you had three stars next to your name or five, uh, you're all equals. And it goes back to square one. So he And he's lived that. Like, he genuinely doesn't go do camps. He didn't even come to do the A&M camp. Like he, he does his own thing, keeps to himself. And if you just turn the tape on, uh, you'll understand what kind of player that Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher are getting and Ashton Funk. So really appreciate him hopping on. When we come back, continue the football discussion back to the current roster, the 2023 roster and the outlook of the season with former Texas A&M wide receiver, Chris Taylor. So CT from Madisonville on the other side of the break, you're listening to Texas radio presented by David Gardner's jewelers. All right, bottom of the 10 o'clock hour, Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers inside the Rollo Insurance Studios. I am Ryan Broninger going back out to the hotline. Joining us, great friend of the program, former Texas A&M wide receiver, Chris Taylor, a Madisonville Mustang, a proud Madisonville Mustang. CT, thanks for hopping on, dude. Hey, man, I appreciate you all having me. It's, it's that time of year, so I'm excited. We are. We are creeping up to football season less than 40 days away now. Uh, by the time we get to Texas preseason kickoff on this Saturday, we will be five away, five weeks away from toe meeting leather in College Station. And CT, I got to ask you, man. So, with it approaching the way that it is, and I asked Leone this question: like, how are you spending the days between now, the dog days of summer, between now and football season? I know you got your own kids and you're busy with all that, but like, how, how do you get ready for the season? It's I try to get you know, as versed of, uh, on Texas A&M football as much as possible and, and see the big moves. I mean, you know, every, it seems like every day, you know, there was a while there that 
and we had a new commit and a new commit and a yeah. new commit. So, you know, following you and, and Lucci on, on Twitter and making <laughs> sure that I stay up to date on all those things, it, you know, that's how I spent most of my time. But, you know, now we're starting to get into it and we're going to start talking camp talk and things like that. So, man, excited about it. So this young receiver group, well, this receiver group as a whole, I think getting a lot of accolades in the preseason. Uh, but uh, uh, one of my big points on the show today has been what happens if Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad play the way we expect them to play and also Noah Thomas is the guy that we've heard so much about. Like, you start looking at that receiver room, CT, and and really dreaming on a big future. Yeah, and I think I said it back in the spring that I think behind Ohio State, this could be the the next best receiver room in the country. Um, you know, you 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 mentioned Anias and um, you know Moose, and and then Evan Stewart. You know, those guys have made big plays. Um, you know, in the conference, they've shown that they can they can be you know, something to be, you know, to be contended with. And, and and they've done they've done a great job. But then you start adding that name, Noah Thomas. You know, you get a guy like Michael Tease. You get those types of guys in and and they can stretch the field and have those big bodies. And so there are multiple options there that that AM is going to have, you know, an opportunity to stretch the field and make big plays. And so I'm cautiously optimistic to see what Jimbo and 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 Petrino have put together and how they're going to utilize those guys. But I think they've put themselves in a great position to be able to have a ton of options and guys that if you get the ball into their hands early, they can go make big plays for you and really take some of that pressure off that O-line and off Connor to start the season. Is the depth of the route tree for guys like Anias and Evan solely contingent upon the five guys up front, because if you go back and we, you look at, Anias has had some big plays down the field. He's been here for quite a while, but a lot of Evans' work last year was done within seven to 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, a lot of quick game stuff. And obviously that plays to his suits, right? He's such, he's so quick in and out of his breaks, but are you expecting a a more vertical approach with coach Petrino as long as those five guys up front can hold up? Yeah. And and I hope so, you know, and, and I think when you have, the you know you have secondaries that really have to adjust and, and be mindful of you being able to stretch the field vertically that opens up so many other things the tight ends it opens up the run game a lot more so um you know if those five guys can do their job up front and be you know be more effective in 23 I think it gives the opportunity for Evan to stretch the field, Anais to stretch the field. We saw what Moose did against LSU last year, being able to stretch the field and get vertical. So I think it opens up a ton of options for that offense to be able to hit balls down the seam and, and to get vertical. But we also know what they're able to do in those short spaces and be able to navigate and be able to make big plays out of seemingly five-yard catches. So th- I think there's so much that, that can be done with this receiver group. But it, like you said, it's all going to be contingent on what that five up front does. One of the things that I, Bobby Petrino's offense in the past has relied upon is a lot of crossers, right? A lot of mm-hmm. routes going from one side to the other. I mean, one of the biggest plays in your career and one of the biggest plays in in football uh, history was, I believe, a crossing route to you against Nebraska that you turned up the field and score. What what is it about? Like, what is beneficial about going to crosser so often, especially when you've got a re- receiving staff, a receiving uh, core like AM does? 
I think, you know, first what it does, it creates those matchups that you're running away from the defender. You know, you know, you don't have a guy that's head up on you. They're they're naturally going to be in a trail position because you're crossing the field and they're trying to they're trying to play catch up. But then you start bringing crossers from the other side of the field and it creates those natural rubs and guys get picked off. You know, defensive guys say those are picks. Offensive guys, we just say those are rubs that, that we're knocking those defenders off. So being able to create those matchups and then, you know, from the very start, put the defender in a, you know, in a trail position, especially with the guys that can run like our guys, it, it, it is going to be tough. So, you know, being able to have those natural crossers and then, you know, making sure defenders have what they call those good eyes. You know, if they're peeking in the backfield and lose sight of what's going on, now you have guys that are running free with, you know, through zones and running free and and being able to make big plays. So I, I love the, the you know, the ability to add those crossing routes and to be able to create those natural rubs and to be able to create those matchups to put those defenders in that, in that automatic trail position. Is the defense of that or the counterattack to that from an opposing defense – playing more zone? I think it, I think it does. It, it makes defenses be a little more cautious. You know, when you can't, if you're blitzing and every time you blitz, you know, you, you have, you find that matchup and you hit the defense for a big play defensive coordinator has to make a, you know, has to make a decision. Do I continue to blitz and hope to get home and be able to affect the throw? Or do I sit back in a zone and try to prevent some of those big plays down the field? So I think with that receiver core and, and being able to implement those crosses, I think you will see a lot more zone and, and, and a lot less of that trash defense that a lot of these diff, different defenses and coordinators have tried to run against A&M here lately. You know, I think it is going to create some opportunities. We're going to have to be patient to be able to hit those big plays. But I think when they're there, that we've got to take full advantage of it. And, and a lot of that will be with those crossers and being able to stretch the field vertically. Uh, you mentioned Noah. Is there another guy on the offensive side and maybe even one on defense, CT? And, and I asked this question to Leone earlier, but maybe a guy on each side of the ball that we're not talking about in the day-to-day, but you're really excited to see what they can do here in 2023. Um, And for me, you know, defensively, I think I've always liked and admired what Tyreek Chappelle has, has been able okay, to do. Yeah. You know, all the defensive coordinators, they've kind of put him out on an island, go do what you do best. And I'm excited to see if he's taken that next step, you know, this summer, you know, this spring, this summer, gotten himself in a position, gotten stronger, faster. But I think more so how much film has he been able to study? How much, how much has he gone back and done some self-evaluation to be able to correct some of those, those technique things that, that may come up and, and pop up and be a problem. So I'm excited to see what he does, you know, take him, put him on the opposing team's best receiver and let's try to take away that, that side of the field kind of, you know, like those, those Aaron Glenn and Ray Micken days where we could play that man coverage. You can turn our linebackers loose. You can be a lot more dynamic with, with some of the blitz packages and things. So Hopefully he can be that guy for us and, and to be able to take the other team's best player away and give us some more dynamic looks on defense to be able to be more effective. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. You know, and I, I think we're talking about my guy, but I just think I think Bryce Anderson's poised for an enormous season. I've yeah. always been a fan of the kid, how he's wired, uh, how he works, his leadership qualities – and then you got to remember, CT, this is a kid that for uh, – he played in a state championship game at, as a defensive back, as a freshman against Longview and Haynes King. Mm-hmm. But from then on, he played nothing but quarterback. And yeah. he's now in year two of being a full-time safety, 
nickel kind of player where he can blend elite athletic traits with the feel and knowledge of the game that he's got naturally, but also that he gained while playing quarterback. I'm super excited to see what one does on defense. Yeah, I think he he's one B, you know, and, and, you know, when Antonio Johnson, when he declared and left for the draft, I'm like, man, we've got it. We've got a hole to fill, but watching Bryce play last year, I mean, he plays with such a high energy. He has a high motor. He seems to always be around the football and the stage was, it wasn't too big for him, you know, getting Imani back this year. I think that's going to be a, a huge deal getting guys lined up. But then Bryce Anderson kind of being that enforcer, being able to get downhill, being able to be around the football, make plays, um, you know, get your hand in on, on, on and bat balls down and things like that. I think he can be a super dynamic player. I think you can plug him in in a lot of different places. And he just plays with so much speed, so much passion. And when he gets to the football, he's pissed off. So, um, yeah, I, I say 1B, uh, you know, that, that secondary I think is going to be uh, looked at as a as a solid group as those younger guys continue to grow up and continue to start pushing the pocket and getting more pressure on those quarterbacks what's the most talented position group on this football team i think hands that well i have a i have a defensive side i think the d line is the most no you on that side of both. pick one on both sides because that's why it's pick, tough right yeah yeah d line for defense and I really love that receiver room uh, on, on offense. I, I think that that group is is poised to have a huge year, um, you know, especially with the recruits that we've got coming in uh, to be able to see what that offense is going to look like. I think that receiver group has a huge, huge opportunity to make plays and really put A&M on the map as a, as a receiver school. I would say top to bottom, my pick for most talented would be the defensive line on either side of the ball. The receiver room, while I do love what they've got, especially those top four guys, I just mm-hmm. think the D line is going to go deeper and deeper, especially when you start adding, you know, DJ Hicks to to a group that's already yeah. loaded with five stars. And like uh, Leone mentioned earlier, I asked him who his who he's most excited to see this fall. He mentioned Gabriel Brown Lodendi. Like that's another five star yeah. kid that we haven't seen anything from. So when you just look at overall talent and depth. I would say the defensive line group on offense. I would agree with your pick about the receivers, but you know, maybe a one B on each side of the ball here. I'm looking at the secondary on defense. Yeah. I really like where they're at, especially the wild card might be Tony Grimes at corner or even a Josh DeBerry coming in from Boston college, like one more guy to step up and be a real playmaker on that back end and mix in with Damani and Jacoby Matthews and Jordan Gilbert and Tyreek Chappelle like, there's real talent on that defense, Jared Kerr, in that secondary. But on offense, you know what I like is the tight end group, man. And I think with Donovan coming back, with Jake Johnson, Theo Orstrom, like, continuing to kind of scratch the surface of what he can be. Yeah. And they're super high on Jaden Platt coming in as a freshman. And and you Max know, Wright, who's going to be on the field a bunch. <laughs> and here's, you know, I'm that receiver, so I have that. Put them in on blocking downs. You know, put the small guys <laughs> in. Let's stretch the field and let's make some plays on the outside. But no, that that is a solid group. You know, you've got guys that they're not only great. You know, in 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 blocking and, and being able to to affect in the run game, but we know what they can do when the ball's in their hands. And so, I'm a little selfish as a receiver. I don't like to throw to the tight end. They they steal balls from <laughs> us. But no, that that is a very solid group, and I'm ready to see. I'm just ready to see this team take that next step be considered as one of the top teams, not only in the SEC West, 
but then also, you know, in, in the whole SEC, especially with Texas and Oklahoma coming next year, it's time for us to put our mark on this conference in this division and, and really, you know, take control as the dominant team in this thing. So I think with the talent and the way that we've recruited the last few years, A&M has every opportunity, every chance to be able to do that. Now it's time for those young guys to grow up, take a step. And, and let's do it and, and let's go play football the way it's supposed to be played. I agree. Big, big year upcoming. Is there going to be anything CT in that opening game? And the only reason I'm asking this is because hindsight's 2020, but when you go back or, and watch that Sam Houston State game to open last season, there were some telltale signs that some offensive struggles were coming. Yeah. Is it going to be the same for you in the first year of a new coordinator against New Mexico? Like, what are you specifically wanting to see in game one? Um, for me, five guys up front working in continuity, you know, first of all, being able to run the football, I think the thing that stood out and it was like, oh crap, we could not run the football against Sam Houston. I mean, we, we couldn't sustain blocks and I think it was two and three yards and yeah, H-Chain and, had and like we 40 yards, maybe. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. it was, it was shocking. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's kind of one of those, you know, I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I want to see us to be able to establish the run early but then be able to hit those big plays as we start to open this thing up. I mean, when you look at, you know, us versus them, and, and when you look at talent versus talent, you know, as I look down the schedule, there's not a more talented team, I don't feel, in the country than what we have on both sides of the football. And so, you know, for me, establishing a run on the defensive side, being able to stop the run, but also being able, when you have those big plays, you can't miss them. I want to see us hit four, five, six of those big plays down the field, you know, being of at least 30 to 40 yards and, and run up the scoreboard in that first game. So I think for me, you know, I'm going to call it first game 56 to 7. Ooh, CT. Uh, I, I think that um, we make a statement to start the season early. All right, buddy. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show with us. Look forward to talking to you and uh, maybe see you in College Station soon, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, have a good one. Yep, that's former Texas A&M wide receiver Chris Taylor. Going to final break here uh, before the end of the show. Come back with a few of your texts. Maybe see what Nick's got going on in the back. Listen to Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. All right, final segment of the show. Ryan Broniger and I've actually I, Nick and Luke. Are you ready for a trivia question? Yep. Nick. Yes. Okay. Trivia question. Don't cheat. Either one of you. This came up in my scrolls during the commercial break. Can you name, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are nine teams in Conference USA this coming year. Can you name five of them? Sam Houston. Yep. UNT. Rice. Not, nope, nope. No, Rice, really? UTSA. Nope. North what? Texas. Nope. I did not Southern know that miss. this conference completely imploded and reshuffled Georgia like it is. Southern. Both of those are wrong. Oh FAU. Incorrect. All right, wow. you want me to go through them? Yeah. Hold on. Charlotte? Incorrect. <laughs> for what the, the no, that, Okay, yeah, go for it. All right, Liberty, Sam Houston State, UTEP, Western Kentucky, New Mexico State, Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee State, FIU, and Jacksonville State. Give me what? Western Kentucky. What? But they're gonna win it. What happened to that league? Where did everyone go? I don't know. Like I'm so far behind on realignment and what some of these smaller conferences look like. I knew Sam Houston was taking or making another move from the out of the whack, um, and remembered that they were coming to Conference USA. But like I had no idea that Jacksonville State was in it or UTEP or Liberty. Like 
I just feel like those teams get shuffled through different conferences every three or four years or have. And I may be completely wrong on that. but Okay, so Charlotte is one of the teams that left Conference USA. FAU left. So I was, Where are they at? FAU went to uh, the American as well as Charlotte. Man, I, that might be a good, if we're looking for some preseason football content, Luke, you and your crack team of interns back there, maybe like go through and like make sure everybody's updated on what the non-P5 conferences even look like anymore. Yeah, we could do that. North Texas was also in conference USA. They moved to the American. So was Rice. I'm just way Is behind. Rice in the American now? Uh, yes, that's correct. So they're in there with U of H. Yeah. UAB left and went to the American. Well, U of H is not. No, so U of H is in the Big 12. See, like, Did I say U of H? I meant UAB. Yeah, Sorry. no, no, no. I said U of H okay. because that's U of, U of H was in the American and Rice went to the American. But those two, even though they're in Houston, they've, they haven't been in the same league, I don't think, and since the Southwest Conference, which is weird. I'm just trying to look. It seems like there's like. 20 teams in the American Conference now. I, I know they, I know they to, left, yeah. but I'm looking. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I guess that's just 14, but my goodness. Well, they, that's just a, such a nothing conference now. Hey, so I mean, how many are in the Sun Belt? I have no idea. That feels like another conference that Cade, just... Cade, I'm not Cade, sorry. Uh, Luke, you got a computer in front of you. Do some research. Well, hold me on. He told Ronnie me not to here. cheat. I didn't want to look up. Well, we're past we're the past, trivia question. On, I, just, I just heard don't cheat. Just over here typing Dude, away. So the Sun Belt is pretty similar. I think that's pretty standard. But they've got a lot of teams playing football in the Sun Belt. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, 14. So it's the same size in terms of number of schools as the SEC. Don't you mean the Fun Belt? I do like Fun Belt. Which is the conference that plays the MAC? The MAC is Maction. the one that plays on like Tuesday nights. Yeah, yeah that's Tuesday like Eastern Maction. Michigan. I'm all in. Um it's the Middle America, yeah. so that's called Middle America Conference, Luke. But I, the <laughs> thing about the MAC games is when you watch them on TV, I'm always, and I don't know why, I'm continuously surprised when they pan out and show the stadium. You know, and it's late November, and it's 17 degrees outside with misting rain and sleet, and there's seven people in the stands. I don't know why that always surprises me. Like I, you would think that the. Everybody talks about Maction, and maybe it's just like this kind of social media it's meme. It's definitely a meme. Yeah. A yeah. Meme. But when they pan out, there's nobody at those games. Literally more people at every single Texas high school football game, oh, no, no matter question. the level. No question. All right, Luke, Nick, thank you guys for helping me get through the show. We appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, like I said, Dalton in the chair tomorrow. Nick on Thursday. David will be back on Friday. We hope that you will all – be around and come see us on Friday night at our happy hour event, Block T Bar, over there at the AM Hotel and Conference Center, and then the Texags kickoff event. Uh, go onto the site if you need to purchase tickets to that. Always a fun time. Super, I'm, I'm so excited to have uh, all the coaches there and to hear from everybody. And, and like Olin said, just good for camaraderie uh, and good for the vibes heading into the football season. I've been Ron Broninger sitting in for Nuno today. This has been Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, Louis Bellino, on the other side of the break. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.